All right. Well, good evening. Good to see everyone out this evening. Uh, pray for Brother Ed. He was uh, down on his back tonight, so uh, that's where they're at. And uh, so you just pray for them, and uh, we'll go ahead and have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I pray that you would bless your word tonight. And Lord, uh, give us exactly what we need to hear. Encourage us. And uh, Lord, we'll praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Brother Duke, are you leading the music? Or? Okay, go ahead and come on up then. Let's turn to page 509, 509, saved, saved. child of the king. Amen. That's what I am. Page 450.
a good old song of the church. I haven't sung that for many, many years. Uh, all right, let's have some fellowship time. All right, let's all turn page uh, 497, 497.
Brother Adam. Thank you, church. I do appreciate you being here this evening. I hope that your desires, you long to worship Him, and uh, for He is worthy of our praise this evening. I do appreciate you being here. Hope and pray that you've already been blessed for being in the Lord's house and uh, looking forward to what the Lord has for us this evening. We're going to continue in the book of Philippians tonight, book of Philippians chapter number 3, and I'm going to do... Uh, my best not to stutter and stammer over all my words this evening. I, I said a few things the other day, and uh, Brother uh, Miss Evelyn, Brother Adam, they they were uh, laughing at me a little bit, kind of joking around with me, and I know I like a little bit of joking, so that was completely fine. And and I I I think I said repu- reprove and uh, repuke, and so uh, but anyways, uh, we we had a good time with that. And I do appreciate you being here this evening. And uh, we're going to get into Philippians chapter number 3. Let's read the first few verses here. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit And rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, Touching the righteousness which is the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I count loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Philippians, how you give us joy. And we rejoice uh, in, in you and knowing that our sins are forgiven. Lord, I do ask that you would speak to our hearts tonight. Forgive me where I failed you so many times with attitude and actions. Lord, I pray that you would be magnified and, uh, and exalted in everything that's said and done tonight. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. We'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. This section of Scripture, specifically verses 3 through uh, verse 9 there, uh, it contains the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Paul was a very religious man, and, uh, but he was a lost man. Uh, when I was pastoring there in Scottsburg, starting the church there, we would go out knocking doors, and every person that I come in contact with, uh, they were religious people. Uh, there was a lot of religious uh, people there. They all said, "Oh, I go to church here, or I go to church there." Or, uh, they're all saved. They were, they would say, but uh, in reality, there was many lost folks there. They just didn't know have uh, the justification. They weren't saved through faith and. Uh, yesterday, I had the opportunity to go uh, to the state house, and I went with one, a couple of my uh, pastor friends, and we were passing out Bibles to the freshmen, uh, those freshman senators and freshman uh, representatives, and even to our governor. I had the opportunity to go in and speak to our governor and, and to uh, have a word of prayer with him. He was a very gracious man and uh, welcomed us into his office. Uh, I got some pictures of it. It was really neat. And uh, was very gracious. Talked about his wife and his his uh, his his Lord. And he says, "I open up most mornings." He says, "I open up most mornings. I sit right here at this uh, this chair right here, and he has the Word of God sitting right there." And he says, "I start my day off that way." And I thought, "Praise the Lord!" And and he we had the opportunity to pray with him. Well, 
Uh, we passed out probably 30 Bibles yesterday to different uh, senators and different representatives and stuff like that. And uh, so we, we got to talk to Democrats and Republicans alike. And, and our purpose wasn't to uh, give, us, give them our uh, thoughts and our agendas or anything like that. Our, our whole purpose was there to give them the Word of God and then uh, to have a prayer with them. And so we had, you know, every person that I come in contact with was surprising to me. Uh, but every one of them, as we talked as pastors, uh, every one of them, they said, thank you for the word of God. And they said, thank you for your prayers. Now, every single one of them. Now, can I tell you something? Not every single one of them are saved. They're not. But every one of them are religious. The Democrats, the Republicans, all of them, they all said, uh, say that they're religious. Can I tell you, there's more to salvation than religion. It's not just religion. But I, I tell you, I thank the Lord for the opportunity that I told him, I said, uh, you know, when we would talk to him, I said, how can I pray for you? What can I pray for you about? I talked to our representatives here uh, over the church area and then also our center and uh, uh, prayed with them and had just had a good time with them. Didn't take up a whole lot of their time, maybe three or four minutes, and just uh, they gave me some different prayer requests. Mostly, you know what their their main thing is right now? Florida. They truly have a concern for Florida, and what can they do? You know, and and, and I said uh, they didn't ask me for my opinions, and I didn't give them any opinions. All I said was I'm going to pray for God to give you wisdom, and that you will seek His face. And uh, it, was, it was a tremendous opportunity, and uh, I, I thank the Lord for that. I'm going to try to get a little bit more involved in that, and uh, I tell you, it was such a blessing. But God wants to change our lives so that, uh, so that we can be used for His glory. And religious rituals, are, and, and are, they're useless and empty outside of Jesus Christ. Just because you go through the motions of going to church and you go through the motions of all these religious acts, they're empty outside of Jesus Christ. I hope tonight that you will see that no matter how hardened or steep someone may uh, be in their beliefs, God can still save them. And I believe that's what our country needs. I believe that salvation involves a radical change. It changes our direction, it changes our destiny, and ultimately, it changes our deeds. And no person in the Bible exhibits this transformation more than, I believe, the Apostle Paul. Uh, his name even changed from Saul to Paul. And uh, while most of us kept our name after salvation, uh, it's wonderful to know that when we were born again, our names were written forever down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And Jesus said that, uh, some, that's something to rejoice in. The Bible says rejoice in Luke 10, 20. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? If you're saved, our names have been written down in heaven. Revelation 21, 27 says, And there shall in no wise enter into, any, uh, in, enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Tonight I want to look at how one goes about obtaining this justification. That word justification, I heard a preacher say one time, justification means just as if I've never sinned. Just as if I've never sinned. And we're going to look at the Apostle Paul tonight and some things here. But I, I see first, it's not in following commandments. It's not in following commandments. Most people follow a sect of, uh, set of guidelines or rituals or commands or uh, rules in order to get to, into heaven. There's a lot of, it's a works salvation. That's what they believe. Uh, as I was talking to some of these uh, they would come in and they went into the chapel service and we would just pull them in and we would uh, say, hey, we want to have prayer with you. And they'd come in and we'd say, hey, just tell us how we can pray for you and, and share some things with us. And every single one of them would tell about how they, uh, they were religious by 
uh, affiliation and by deeds and things that they did. And it got me thinking that there's so many people that are dependent on their works for salvation or following a set of rules. And folks, that's not salvation. That's not salvation. We realize that living forever is not up to us. So uh, we look for a religion, a philosophy, or a set of beliefs that we can be comfortable with and hope that it turns out to be right. The problem is everybody that has ever given advice about how to live your life is forever dead. I mean, except for one, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he uh, were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Folks, uh, we... I heard uh, uh, Brother Doug telling the lady this, using this verse and saying, we live forever. We're never going to die. Oh, the body may, the body may go to the grave, but we're ever, uh, once we've been saved, we're ever, we will live forever, folks. I don't know about you, but I, I would like to find out what a person, uh, what the person who, or the person who conquered death, hell, and the grave, what he has to say about it. The Apostle Paul, speaking from his own experience here, uh, he, he shows how he tried to live the religious way. Notice his resume. Look there in verse 3. It says, for we are the circumcision. This is going back to the law. And he says, we, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, that whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. He's saying, hey, I've done this stuff. I'm a religious person. Paul had been raised to put his trust, his confidence in keeping the Old Testament law. And he did a better job than most. Now, the problem is the Bible declares that we are all born with sin. We are born sinners. Adding a resume of good works and uh, to a sinful heart, it's like pouring a, a quart of pure, wholesome, good water into a gallon pail of mud and then expecting to drink it and be able to be clean. That isn't how it works. See, Isaiah makes it clear on the matter how, how much righteous we add to our sinful lives. We're still sinners. The Bible says this in Isaiah 64, 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind, and have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. David, he recognized that he was born in a sinful nature. He said this, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and, my, and in sin did my mother conceive me. I, uh, Psalm 51.5, Paul leaves no one exempt in this condition. He says this, he says, There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. We don't have to be taught how to sin. You take uh, any of the, the babies that come in here, I love them to pieces. I tell you, I love kids. And I know every one of us do in here. But you take any of them, and they're born sinners. They're sinners. They cry when they're, they, there's no, their diaper's changed, and their belly's full, and they, they start crying. You know what? That's sin. Born in sinful, we've born a sinful nature. You see, we don't have to be taught to sin. Why? Because it comes natural. Ephesians 2 2 says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, uh, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. On the outside, we have an impressive resume. But on the inside, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, I want you to notice, 
that it's not in his, notice his resume, but notice the rituals that he kept. There in verse 5 it says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. He's saying, I've follow, I follow, uh, followed all the commandments, all the rituals, and, and uh, look at my resume. He says, uh, the Bible teaches us here that we need to remember the Pharisees were, uh, they were a very religious, strict uh, religious sect of people on the outside, and they wanted to be seen for how good the, uh, their works were. The Bible says in Luke 18, 11, it says, The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. He's saying, look at me. I'm religious. I've done the rituals. I, hey, look at me. Look at the things I've done. In Matthew 23, Jesus gives us a full description of the Pharisees. They were, uh, they were, well, uh, over, there were well over 600 laws in the Old Testament that they were not to violate. While there are, there are good people who work very hard at doing right and being good, can I tell you, that's not how we obtain justification. The Bible says in Titus 3, it says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done... But according to his mercy he hath saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. What a sad thing it is to, uh, that many try to establish their own way of getting to heaven instead of submitting to what has already been paid for, has already been taken care of. Almost everyone acknowledges the fact that Christ died on the cross. But if we could get to heaven by joining the church or getting baptized or having, uh, having more good works, then the, the, and the good works outweigh the bad ledger. And sometimes we have that thought, you know, my good has to outweigh. I've heard people say that. I was, I'm witnessing to him. Well, I'm hoping that my good outweighs my bad. Folks, that ain't going to get you to heaven. That isn't what obtains our justification. The Bible says in Romans eleven sixteen, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it by works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, works is no more work. Salvation is a gift. And you cannot work for it because the moment that you work for it, it ceases to become a gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And God's a jealous God. He isn't going to share that with anybody. But then I want you to notice his reputation. Look there in verse 6. It says, Touching the, righteous, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He had a good reputation as far as the, the world looked at him. Did you know that if you lived your whole life and only committed one sin, you would still die? Without Christ, you would still die and spend eternity in hell? Well, that's impossible because we are born sinners and we sin by choice. But the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. This verse informs us that through Adam we, are, are, we inherit the sinful nature. Have you ever gone to a county or state fair? I don't really look forward to going. My wife kind of enjoys going to the state fair. We've been a couple times. But have you ever been to the pig barn? You know, and they, they do the, they purdy them up. I mean, they give them baths. And I remember going one time and, I seen a pig had a bow and it's you know right there on its head, and I even seen one of the pigs had its toenails painted, and I, I mean it was just all dolled up. I'm telling you, this I mean people just made these things look good, but can I tell you they're still just pigs? We can get all dolled up and do all these works and work for our community, and we can do every, let everybody see all the things we've done, but you know what? We're still just sinners. 
It's going to take something more than getting all dolled up. We'll get into that in just a moment. But you know the Bible says in Jeremiah 13, 23, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. So it's not in commandments. Number two, it's not in ceremonies. When we get honest with ourselves, we come to the conclusion that there is nothing good in us except for Jesus. Paul said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no clean thing. We can try to do better and reform, but we always go back to the natural way of sin. So our next thought is to add something to it. Do some ceremony, something to make up for that sin problem. Paul's life before he converted, was saved, was a life of great service that he thought and service uh, to his religious uh, beliefs. He believed that he was right and, and was, not, uh, was not to destroy, uh, uh, and he, was, he had his right to destroy anyone that didn't carry out the ceremonies of the law. And uh, if they violated it. Likewise, many today are religious but lost. In many cases, they are blinded to the truth by their traditions. I was talking to one of the folks yesterday and, and they kept on talking about how they went to church and uh, they were Catholic and they were talking about how uh, they, you know, they um, done the sacraments and done all these things and, and they, you know, they were really relying on that. And I, I wanted to uh, really have the opportunity, if I had more time, I would have uh, been able to share more of the gospel with them. I tried to a little bit, but I... Um, uh, it just wasn't an opportunity that I was looking for. And, and, uh, but I'm going to work with them again and talk to them and, and pray for them. And you pray for me. And uh, I know Pastor Lindsay at Lifeline and some others that are going in and, and uh, trying to minister to those folks. You know, they're blinded by their traditions and their ceremonies. Notice his pedigree here. He says, circumcised the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Can I tell you, God doesn't have any grandchildren. Only children. When people say, I've always been a Christian, I've heard it so many times. My grandfather was a preacher. They, they're alluding to the fact that they've always been around something Christian or religious and have a confidence that they are safe with God because of their religious pedigree. One of the ladies I was talking to, she, she mentioned she was actually talking to the group and she was talking about how her grandmother, she thanked the Lord for her grandmother because her grandmother was the one that kept her in church and all this stuff. And uh, she just kept on talking about her grandmother. And we've, I've always been a Christian because I've always been in church and all this stuff. And uh, we didn't have it. It was an open. She had the open mic at that time. And. And I tell you, the Bible says this in John 1, 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. People say, I've always been a Christian. My response is, no, you've always been a sinner. See, you must become a Christian. That is why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus was religious. He had all the religious affiliations there. But he was a man that was born a sinner and only the new birth could solve the sin problem. My wife was raised in a good Christian home. Her dad was a deacon most of her life. And I tell you that uh, she was even a member of the church and was even baptized. But if she would have died before she truly trusted the Lord, she would have died and spent eternity in hell. See, it isn't in our religious pedigree because what our mom and our dad and our grandfather and all those things don't matter. It's your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But then I want you to notice his passion. His passion. Look there in verse 5, it says, as touching the law of Pharisee. I mean, to be a Pharisee, you had to be, 
you had to be passionate about the first five books of the law. I mean, they had it memorized. This was a choice of life for Paul. Choice, not chance, determines a man's destiny. Some people choose to reject Christ and trust in a set of rituals. We would call them religious. Others choose to reject Christ and trust in their good deeds. We would call them moral. Some choose to reject Christ and trust nothing. We would call these atheists. But everybody's making a choice. Some refuse to choose. That also is a choice. When Jesus comes, those who are still trying to decide what to do with Jesus will go to the same hell as those that reject him. The Bible says, Behold, now's the accepted time. Behold, now's the day of salvation. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, he says. There's a grave danger in putting off this choice. The Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. But then I want you to notice his power. Look there in verse 6. It says, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. History records Saul of Tarsus may have been responsible for over 2,000 Christians being put to death in the first century church. We know that Saul was in charge when Stephen was put to death and he was stoned. We know that. Saul of Tarsus believed that he was doing the right thing in his attempting to persecute and kill those who were turning to Christ. He had received authority to stamp out this new way, if you will. Ananias was aware of his power. He said in Acts 9.13, he says, And then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done by thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. The power Saul had was no match for God's power. There in Acts 9.1 it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of, them, uh, of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if, if found any in this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there sounded out about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You can never battle against God and win. Saul of Tarshish had a challenging power, but God had a, had a changing power. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So how do we obtain this justification? We see it's not in ceremonies. And we see it's not in commandments, following commandments. How do we do it? It's by faith in Christ. Faith. It's only by faith in Christ. Christ and Christ alone can bring about a change in a person's life. Can I tell you there's all kinds of people trying to find different ways and trying to find different avenues, but it's only Christ that changes people's lives. Man makes attempts at reformation, but only Christ can bring about transformation. You remember when you were in science, your science teacher, when you were younger, you had the science teacher come in and they would bring in Exhibit A, which was a jar with a twig inside with a furry lump on the twig. And the teacher described how the caterpillar had formed this cocoon and, and if we would be patient enough and wait, out of the cocoon would come out another caterpillar, right? No, it wouldn't be a caterpillar, but it would be a beautiful butterfly. This is what is called metamorphosis, and which we get the word... Uh, it's a, what it means is a change of form, a structure or substance, especially supernatural means. When God saves us, it is not an overhaul of the old, but it is a doing away with the old and giving us a brand new heart, a brand new spirit, a brand new life in Christ. 
at that moment of salvation, this radical change takes place in our lives through faith. Romans 3, 24 says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through the faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by the law of works, nay, but the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Paul acknowledged that there was a faulty way. Look there in verse 7, it says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Paul's resume was filled with all kinds of religious uh, credentials, as we have seen, but any system that teaches that we can earn or merit our way to heaven, it's a faulty way, folks. How sad it is that many are trusting in this faulty way, this works of salvation. But also, he abandoned his fall, failed walk. Look there in verse 8. It says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. He's saying, hey, all those religious ceremonies, all those credentials, all those things, those are but lost to me. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. He's saying, they, they mean nothing to me that I may win Christ. Perhaps the hardest thing a person does at salvation is abandon what they had previously trusted to save them. The word repent means to turn around or to change of mind. When you turn to Christ, you're turning away from those other things, those other religious ceremonies, those other commandments, those other things, and fully trusting in Jesus Christ, what He did. See, God calls us to repent of everything else and turn to Christ. He says, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. David Livingston was a Scottish missionary, an explorer who spent 33 years in the heart of Africa. He endured much suffering as he labored to spread the gospel and open, uh, uh, and open the continent to missionaries. This godly missionary once remarked this. He said, people talk of sacrifice I've made in spending so much of my life in Africa. He said, can that be called a sacrifice which is simply acknowledging a great debt we owe to our God, which we can never repay? He said, it is emphatically no sacrifice, whether it is a privilege, anxiety, sickness, suffering, danger, foregoing the common conveniences of this life. They, these may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing compared with the glory which shall later be revealed in and through us. I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which he made who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. What a great testimony. Of, he didn't count it a sacrifice to live for Christ. He counted it a pleasure and he counted it as gain. The testimony of David Livingston is a, a humbling reminder to us to keep our focus on the sacrifice that Christ has made for us. But then I want you to notice that Paul accepted the finished work. Look there at verse 9. He says, And being found in him... Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. John 19 describes the cruel suffering of Christ prior to the, and during the crucifixion. In John 19.30, Christ said this, It is finished. If Jesus finished paying for our sins on the cross that day, what can we do to make that work any more complete? 
He said it's finished. There's nothing we can add to or take away. It's finished. Christ paid it all and all to Him I owe. Folks, as we are witnessing and as we talk to folks, let us remember it's not in the ceremonies, it's not in the commandments, but it's in the calling of Jesus Christ and trusting in Him alone. Trusting in Him plus nothing minus nothing. Trusting in Jesus is a way we are justified in Christ. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In conclusion, as obtaining our justification, we can learn from the Apostle Paul, justification is given when one trusts in faith in the faith and have trust and faith in the finished work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. That is the gospel. Let's be confident in the justification that we've received. If we are look listen, if we are we are trusting in anything anything else than faith in Christ. It's a work salvation, folks. It's not because you're a member of Putnamville Baptist Church. It's not because you've been baptized. It's not because you give your tithe to the church. It's not because of what you do. It's all because of what He has done. I'll just be reminded of that tonight. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank You for this wonderful reminder how Paul was uh, telling us through Your Word that it's not in the commandments, although we should follow Your commandments. It's not in ceremonies, although there are ceremonies that we observe. But Lord, what it is, it's all in our, our, our trust, our confidence, our faith in You. and What You did on the cross. Lord, I pray that if there's one here tonight that hasn't uh, truly put their confidence, their faith and trust in You, Lord, may today be this day of salvation. If, the, if we're looking at anything other than what you've done for us. Lord, help us to seek you out now. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. We give you the the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you just to examine your heart tonight. My purpose isn't to cause you to doubt your salvation tonight, but my purpose is for you to examine your heart. What are you trusting in? What are you putting your confidence in? Is it in ceremonies? Is it in what you've done, what you're doing? Jesus paid it all. you're in an attitude of prayer I do want to lift some petitions tonight I ask you to pray for Peggy Adams family Peggy Adams family this is a lady that went home to be with the Lord this uh, couple days ago and her funeral is tomorrow evening a uh, friend of uh, mine and so I would ask that you would remember Peggy Adams family and uh, also uh, uh, Billy Graham as many of you heard he went home to be with the Lord today and so you pray for uh, all the lives that have been touched by his life, I mean, just his ministries. And uh, uh, some of you may have went to some of his crusades. I've, I know a lot of people that have been to his crusades and were saved through his ministry. And so what a, uh, a tremendous uh, legacy that he had left behind. So uh, just remember all the, the lives that he had changed and uh, through his ministry. So remember him. would ask that you remember... Uh, Brother Ed, as he's down in his back this evening. And uh, maybe someone else have a prayer request. Pray for our country. I, I'm, I've got a new burden for our country. Just pray for the leaders, uh, um, uh, Democrats, Republicans, Independents. Pray for them all. They all need the prayer request. They all, they all need prayer. And so you pray for our leaders. And... Uh, 
it's a command that we pray for him. And so I ask that you would do that. Pray for our president and uh, pray for our, our soldiers that are fighting for our freedoms. Pray for, of course, the, those that are in Florida, the families that have been uh, uh, affected by this. Maybe someone else prayer request. All right, let's go to the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for uh, the privilege we can uh, lift up our petitions to you, knowing that you hear us if we ask according to your will. Lord, we ask tonight as we uh, think of this time of bereavement for the Peggy Adams family, for uh, Annette and uh, John, the Lucioa family, Lord, I pray that you would just be with them as this time of bereavement. Uh, no. Uh, Miss Peggy loved you and served you and uh, is with you right now. And Lord, I pray that you would just comfort the family as uh, they have the funeral services tomorrow. That's not for Peggy, but it's for those that are living. And uh, Lord, may they uh, be encouraged just uh, knowing the fact that uh, she's with you and there's no more pain and suffering. Lord, I think of Billy Graham and the lives that he has uh, through... Uh, his ministries, you blessed him so much, and Lord, the lives that, uh, that have been changed and saved because of your use of this man. And Lord, I pray that you would just be with his family and those uh, that uh, are near and dear to him and uh, comfort them as only you can. Lord, I ask that you be with Brother Ed as he's down on his back, and Lord, I pray that you would just strengthen him and, and uh, raise him up. Lord, I do ask that you be with our leaders, our president and our vice president as uh, they are being criticized, and especially our vice president being criticized as being a crazy man because he talks to you. And Lord, I heard someone say the other day that you're so tech, uh, that you're so tech savvy that uh, you have given us a text, and uh, and that text is the word of God. And Lord, I'm thankful, uh, Lord, that uh, uh, though the world might may think we're crazy, Lord, we are not crazy. We are just trusting and and have faith in you. And Lord, I pray that you be with our vice president as he's criticized. And Lord, be with our governor as we had prayer with him and his, his burden was for our state. And our uh, Lord, I ask that you would just give him wisdom. Lord, for the other leaders that we talked to and just some of their personal prayer requests they've shared with me. God, you know each situation. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, intervene. Lord, that uh, Democrats and Republicans and independents, Lord, that they would seek your face and turn from their wicked ways. Lord, you said, and if we humble ourselves and pray, Lord, that uh, and turn from our wicked ways, that you would uh, uh, heal our land. And Lord, that's what I'm asking uh, for these representatives, these senators, and Lord, that they would seek your face and turn from their wicked ways and live for you. God, do a great work, I pray. Lord, pray for our, our church here, that you would strengthen us, that you'd help us to grow in spirit, number one, but also help us to grow in number. Lord, I pray that you just guide and direct in our lives. Thank you again for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you so much for being here this evening. I'm going to give you just a couple of announcements. and want to remind you of a couple things here. That this coming Sunday is our sanctuary day. It's Love Your Church Day. And so we're asking that you pray about uh, maybe bringing a special love offering and everything that comes in that's not designated to tithe or your missions is that's everything that comes in cash and things will go towards our building our our parking lot fund and uh, so you pray about maybe giving a special love offering that day if you can't uh, do it this time but maybe uh, when you get your tax check or something just asking that you would do something special showing your love for your church and uh, I know I'm praying about what the Lord would have us give as well and then on uh, I want to remind you on uh, that also that evening is teen service and so the teens will be having uh, our service. I believe Brother Caleb uh, McGinnis is going to preach that evening. And so you pray for him as he gets prepared for that. And then Saturday, March the 3rd at 9 o'clock is our prayer breakfast. Invite everyone to come out to that. And then after our prayer breakfast at 1030, is, uh, we're having a baby shower for uh, baby Amos. And so you uh, come and support that. They're registered at Walmart. And then for the men, we're going to stick around and we're going to just do some pick up some things around the church. And so I ask that you men, if you would, stick around and help us with that. All right. That's all the announcements I have. If you have an offering tonight, you can just lay it in the plate on your way out. And uh, let's all stand and we'll close in a word of prayer.
Brother Josh, or would you please close us in a word?